With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hour two, Trent Condon back with you. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. We begin the second hour with a look at tonight. A great NFL game. How about that? 6-3 Seattle, 6-3 Arizona. They'll be colliding in Seattle tonight. We'll get into that and a whole lot more in the NFL with Frank Schwab. He's our buddy from Yahoo Sports. Also does a little dabbling in the world of gambling, and I'll be picking his brain on that. But I don't know, at the forefront, at the top of the list... He's a Wisconsin alum, and his Badgers are in the driver's seat again for another West Division title. Frank, as always, thanks for your time. How are you? Good, good. Doing well, especially after uh, seeing Michigan lose 49-11. Uh, to 11. Now that. What a whooping. That thing was <laughs> just... I still don't know. I mean, they played Illinois. Illinois stinks, as usual. They played Michigan, a Michigan team that, that just looks broken. How good is Wisconsin? Are they good enough to really to push Ohio State? I know there's been some games that they've been there. They had their number for a little while there in the what early 2000s, I think it was. But that Ohio State team, kind of the same kind of question with them. How good are they? But when you watch the Badgers, is it more they're 2-0 and because of who they played? Or you think this is a team that has taken that next step, that with Graham Marks can be an elite-level program, better than a top-10 program, maybe a top-5 this year? Yeah, and, uh, you know, just uh, how crazy is 2020 that the Badgers have a big-time quarterback and no running back, really? Yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> that's how weird it is this year. Everything's on its head. I, I think, yeah, Mertz is – look, I've I covered Wisconsin, went to Wisconsin. Uh, I know a lot about the history of Wisconsin. I, I think Mertz is probably going to end up as the second-best quarterback in program history, and, I, and that's only after two games. I mean, it's just – not not like you know Ron Vanderkellen or Randy Wright or Jim Sorge is really jumping out of the page at you, but you know I mean behind Russell, this is as good as it's going to get for Wisconsin recruiting a quarterback, and I do think their running game is a little suspect. I as weird as that sounds, and I know they ran all over Michigan, but that that was kind of a give up game for Michigan. They they just it's the weird you know I'm a nervous fan like most people are I think. By halftime, I was like, well, I can do something with the rest of my night. I guess this one's over. It's, uh, there's no real you know, consequence for the second half here. It felt weird. It was like you were playing, like, like Kent State or something. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, they, they just got run over. But I don't think, you know, when you play in Ohio State or if, you know, I mean, I can only hope that they make the playoff. I think you're going to need a really, really good running game. To, to you know, I mean that's how Wisconsin's built. They're not they're not going to ask a, a freshman quarterback to throw forty times. That's just not how they operate. 
And uh, there's no Jonathan Taylor, Monte Ball, Melvin Gordon type running back here. There just isn't. Uh, it just, and that's weird for Wisconsin. If I was a, if I was a, a big time high school running back, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go to Wisconsin. You know you're going to get the carries. You know you're going to get, you know, run behind one of the best offensive lines in the country, no matter which class it is. But they don't have a guy like that. I, I mean, had Jonathan Taylor come back, I, you know, all of a sudden you start dreaming really big. I don't blame Jonathan for leaving, but that's the one hole I see, which is weird to say about Wisconsin, is that I don't know that they got that one star running back. It's just going to you know, take over a game and and really like they they're used to, and they're going to need that. They're going to in the big games. I think they're going to need to alleviate some pressure off Graham Mertz. All right, quick question: you you mentioned Russell Wilson. He doesn't count. He's a transfer. He's not a Wisconsin quarterback. He's an <laughs> NC State quarterback. Who would be though the second best? Is it is it Daryl Bevel because of the resurgence of the program when he was at the helm? Is it Brooks Bollinger, Tolzine, Sorgi, Stocko? I mean, these guys are kind of all the same. Who would be second on that list, at least of recent history? Right, and yeah, that's the thing. If you're going old school, it's probably Ron Vanderkellen yeah. who took him to the uh, 63 Rose Bowl. But in recent history, it's probably Bollinger. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased there because I was there when yeah. he was there. Over the Ohio State game, I remember they came back from 24, I think it was 24, zip down to, to win in the second half at the, the horseshoe. And so he's probably second, but it's just a weird, it's a weird list. Like, I, I mean, if you were, you know, if, you, if I was to go to some USC or Alabama or Miami or Clemson or whoever fan and say, yeah, I got a pretty good program too. Here are the best quarterbacks of my school's history. They'd say, who are these guys? I've never heard of half of these guys. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I think uh, Sorgi was really good. Bonder was really good. I think that yeah, I, a lot of the guys you mentioned did really good things for the program, and, and they played well. But, yeah, it, it, right now, I mean, even as a transfer, the one year of Russell is better than the four years of anybody else for sure. Well, let's talk about that NC Wolfpack quarterback as uh, Seattle gets ready tonight to take on Arizona, the miraculous win, the decision, and the right one by Kingsbury to put a knee on it with one second left and not cover for the backers of Arizona, which frustrated a lot of people in the gambling realm. But a quick turnaround here. Seattle has not played well. Russell Wilson looked bad for long stretches of that right. game against the Rams, as bad as we've certainly seen this season. What do you anticipate? What's this thing going to look like tonight? Yeah, and that's the thing. I've gone back and forth, which tells me it's a pretty good game tonight. Yeah. It, you know, All week I've been like, I like Arizona and I like Seattle. I think where I come right now is Arizona's coming off uh, I do think that the short turnaround matters here in that Arizona's coming off about as emotional of a win as you can get. I mean, they, they're going to be celebrating that for years, as well they should. It was one of the great plays you've ever seen in NFL history, really. Like, that catch was incomparable, and even the Murray throw is one of the best I've seen. If you The next time you see a highlight, you're going to see it a ton tonight, just watch Murray. Just watch how far he threw that ball and put it in a decent place for Hopkins, basically falling out of bounds. I mean, it is it is just a wonderful athletic feat. So you go from that, and all of a sudden you got to come back four days. You got to refocus immediately. That's a tough deal. And Seattle's coming off two straight losses. I think they're focused. They know they got to win. So situationally, I love Seattle, and I you know it sounds like they're going to get at least some of their running game back. And look, I, I I fully agree with Seattle letting Russell throw the ball more, but I do think they've lost some of their balance. I they're not you know you can see Russell pressing, you can see him 
kind of the gears turning where he's got to do everything because there's no running game. There's no defense. He has to do it all. And there was one play last week, and, and most people probably saw it. You know, he, he, he steps up in the pocket late first half. He has 10 yards in front of him to run to the five-yard line, get a first down. There's still plenty of time left in the half. But you can kind of see the wheels turning of a first down isn't good enough. i got to go touchdown here. He, he, he forces one into the end zone. It's a bad interception. And I think that's just kind of sums up where Russell Wilson's at right now, where he's a great quarterback. He's a great, great player. But I think he feels like I'm the only guy, I'm the only hope here. I have to do everything for my team right now, and that's not a, a, a good. So getting some receivers or getting some running game back would help them. If Tyler Lockett plays, I, I just I'm leaning Seattle. I think that it's gonna be a great game, but I think that it's just tough for Arizona to get up after it's just a once-in-a-lifetime win. And uh, speaking of that, I'm also with you. I love Seattle tonight. I laid it with three, and uh, looking right now at DraftKings, which we have here in our state, and it's down to two-and-a-half. A little juice, minus 115, but if you're looking at that two-and-a-half, getting under a field goal, you can get the Seahawks right now, and uh, I am going to jump on board as soon as we go to a timeout here. But we got lots more to talk about, Frank. Let's get into the upcoming weekend and a Sunday slate last week. Just one team. It was Tampa, one on the road. Crazy. You just so rarely see something like that. Anything to read into it? Is it just a small sample size? It's one week. Goofy things happen. I think so. Because before that, for the first time that I can remember in my life, home teams had a losing record straight up. Yeah. They were, I believe it was two games under 500 going into last week. Now that flipped, obviously, when the Sunday games go 11 home teams, one road team. But... I think that there are reasons, all the reasons we talked about in summer. You know, when we talked about the upcoming season, when I was on with you guys, to just say, you know, home field advantage is not going to be a thing this year. And that's kind of played out. I, I believe in that. I, I don't think there is home field advantage, like it was anyway. There, there's a little bit, but, uh, but it's mostly gone. And I think last, I think last week was the fluke, to be honest. I think last week with all home teams winning was just kind of a one-off. And we're going to get back this week to seeing road teams, probably underdogs still. It's, it's just kind of that's the way the NFL is. And there's reasons behind it. It's not just this random, hey, we're going to put out this narrative and we have nothing behind it. We all know the reasons there's no home field advantage this year. <laughs> and, you know, I think that even when I think about the Seattle game tonight, you know, one of the reasons I would have loved Seattle in any other year is because, that field is impossible to play at. They had a great home field advantage. Well, am I overrating any advantage? I mean, it's, it's almost like a neutral field with all these games. Yeah, I talked to Chris Andrews from the South Point, had him on the show yeah, earlier in the week, guy. and Chris said you know, normally some of their analytic people inside the offices you know, have it down to about 1.8 is the actual NFL number, not the three we always think about. And this year, he's just taken it away. He just says, in incredibly rare circumstances, it's just not even worth putting anything in there, even a half point or a point, just because we, we haven't seen a play out until last Sunday. Just interesting, kind of looking at that angle and, and seeing what it's going to be. How about when we look forward to the Super Bowl? We know that they have flexibility of when that thing can be played. We'll see if the season gets stretched out as, as numbers continue to certainly ramp up here in the upper Midwest. Frank, is the Super Bowl going to be 20% capacity, 50 full boat? What do you anticipate? Because it's not quite at the time where they say a vaccine is going to be fully available for people to be bellied into that building. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine. Look, I'm no doctor, scientist, anything like that. But I can't imagine a vaccine is fully available to everybody before Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, it's just kind of unrealistic, I think. So 
you know, I, I, yeah, I think we're going to see quarter capacity at the Super Bowl, which is kind of weird, but it's, look, 2020 is weird. I, I don't know that, and I don't know, look, look, I'm sitting here right now. I don't know if I'm going to be covering a Super Bowl for the first time since I joined Yahoo, because wow. how do you even do that, right? right? Like, you want, you know, thousands of reporters around the players right before the game? Uh, when Are you going to test all the reporters? Probably not. That's not realistic. Do you really want a COVID outbreak because these guys went to media day? And right. <laughs> So everything is weird this year. I think that I think we end up with, you know, uh, again, I think we've kind of become used to it, though. Yeah. I, I don't it was early in the season it was weird to me. And really, definitely early in like the baseball season when it was really just starting, or the NBA season was started right after that, where it was like, wow, this is jarring, uh, the fake noise and no crowd and all that. But now you kind of settle in. I, when I was watching, uh, you know, with the, the Patriots game last week against the Ravens, it never crossed my mind once. So I think we just become used to it. And if it is quarter fans or no fans at all, it's Super Bowl. I think we'll live. I, I would love to see the ticket prices for the Super Bowl if it's quarter full and let's say you get a team like the Steelers in there or the Packers let's say it's a Steelers Packers game with two enormous fan bases and you only can sell, sell let's say 15,000 tickets I, what are the prices for those games for those tickets going to be it's just all interesting and crazy and 2020 is just throwing us curveballs in every single way it is and uh, we try to figure things out week in and week out with Frank Schwab here joining us from Yahoo Sports Frank the NFC, we have the three teams at 6-3 and three in the NFC West. You look at the standings right now. The Bears have fallen apart, four consecutive losses. That's not a playoff team. Vikings are playing better, digging themselves out of the hole. Still, they're 4-5. and five. Do we know the seven teams that will be in the NFC playoffs? Oh, no. no I don't even think we're close. Oh. I mean, it's. I think the NFC is just such a, from top to bottom almost, this is... Who do you trust? Who do you not trust? Who, like, you know, if I was to say, what team do you pick for the, to win the NFC right now? I think he'd pause and think about it for a while. I know I have. I, I don't have any idea. I think I lean the Packers because, as you kind of said, the division is right there for them. I, there, there's no, we're not arguing about Cardinals versus Seahawks versus Rams. We're not arguing about Buccaneers versus Saints. We're, we're talking about the Packers and the Everybody else's, you know, unless the Vikings can win out or something, and I don't think that's going to happen. The Bears are certainly obviously being left behind. So the Packers are the one team you kind of say, well, they play in the weakest division. The number one seed is going to mean more than anything. And you know how we just talked about home field advantage. I do, as I think about it, as you start thinking about the playoffs and if they do play and not in a bubble or whatever, but in their in their home stadiums. I think Lambeau Field is still home field advantage in January because fans are not. It's going to be about four degrees out with a wind chill of about minus 12, and you can't tell me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be happy to go there. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think that that is the one home field advantage still. So mm-hmm. if I had to pick one team, it's the Packers that I trust, but beyond them, I have no idea. I think that the NFC East is just very bad, and I don't know. I don't know that I trust anybody who's not in the playoffs right now to, to make a leap, but I don't know that I trust anybody who is in the playoffs right now to keep their spot. It's is really, really strange this year. It is, and try to pick a favorite. It's going to change seemingly on a week-to-week basis, and right. that's what we are, which makes it fun. 
And uh, mm-hmm. compelling, I, I think, when we get there, we'll see Chiefs, Steelers coming out of the other side. They've certainly separated themselves from the rest of the pack. A, a team that still, I think, is difficult for me to get a real good read on is Miami. The job that Flores has done yeah. with the squad, even going back to last year, when people on paper, oh, this might be an 0-16 team, and he got them and is able to eke out some victories. The job that he has done and the future, are we... Them, Buffalo, both appear to have a pretty bright, bright future. But when you look at Miami and the track that they are on, are they on their way back to being a perennial playoff type of team? I think so. I, I think that they – look, you, you have to start with who, who's your coach, who's your quarterback. I, I think Flores is a very good coach. And I'm I'm getting convinced that Tua is going to be a top-end quarterback. I, I don't know – he might be the third best guy in his draft class, but that still is pretty good because the other two guys are fantastic. Uh, and, and if you have a coach quarterback, okay, everything else you can figure out. And I, I think that they've added a lot of pieces. They still have a long ways to go as far as draft picks, cap room. They're, they're going to add to this team. You really feel encouraged by where they're at. It looks like the Patriots are going to be starting a rebuild. Who knows how long that's going to last? Honestly, who knows how long Belichick's going to keep coaching? So the division's kind of open, it seems, for the next few years. And why not? Why not Miami? I mean, they they're doing pretty good work. I don't know. This year is interesting because look, they are getting by on defense and special teams. Their, their offense isn't lighting it up. But the past three weeks, they've gotten. You know, fumble returns for touchdowns, punt returns for touchdowns, block punt down to the one yard line. It is all falling into place. I mean, that's hard to sustain, but there's a good football team. And, uh, you know, the, the Bills losing that Hail Mary game, like, all of a sudden, the, the Dolphins are a half game back. And I don't know, why not the Dolphins this year to win the East? It's not like the Bills have run away with it. Last thing for you, Frank. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports with us here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. The NFL sending the memo to all NFL teams that they are to operate under intensive COVID-19 protocols. But going back for what we saw during hard knocks, how can they be any more intensive than they already are? Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think it's just kind of a reminder of, hey, you know, I mean, we're getting into our routines, but we need to tighten this up. We the finish line is there for all the angst over the off season, for all of the the problems that seem to be creeping up in you know in late September when we had the Tuesday game and all that. It's been a long time since we've had a game postponed or pushed back or rescheduled, and all 256 regular season games are still on the schedule and 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 set to be played. So, I think the NFL feels very good about getting to this point in the season without a major major issue, and now. Just a reminder to teams, hey, let's keep at this because we can get through this season and then maybe by, you know, I got August of 2021, there's a vaccine, everybody's fine, we don't have to do this anymore. But give us, you know, two, three good months here and we can get through this season and it'll be considered a wild success, I think, if they can get through this season. And then hopefully things are better in 2021. So I don't think it's anything they're asking teams to do that they haven't been doing. It's just kind of a a little nudge of, hey, we're doing good, but let's not lax now. <laughs> now that we're deep into this season. Frank, uh, favorite bet of the week. Of course, you can see Frank's work at Yahoo Sports, both on the NFL and also in the gambling world. You got a, a favorite pick that you like? I I saw you liking the Raiders this week. You're going opposite of everybody playing the yeah. Andy Reid off a of buy narrative. 
Yeah, everybody loves Andy Alphabet. It's not my strongest bet, but I do. I like the Raiders. I think the Raiders are underrated of all things. I, I'm usually an analytics guy, and analytics don't love the Raiders, but I do. I watch this team. They're, they're a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. They, they do some things. I think my favorite one, though, is is Cleveland. I think they're minus, probably still minus three and a half. It is, yeah. Well, you tell me why why the Philadelphia Eagles would get your money at this point. What have the Philadelphia Eagles done in 2020 to give anybody any faith that they can cover a spread, especially on the road against what I think is a good Browns team? Look, they, have they struggled on offense a couple times recently? Yeah, because they're playing like 40-mile-an-hour wins. I don't even I throw those games out like they, they were just weird crazy games uh, the, the Eagles stink the Eagles are a bad bad football team that is a team that you watch them and I hate to say this because he's got a ring but I don't think Doug Peterson's the guy I think he just had a once in a lifetime year and he's never going to do that again so yeah give me the Browns because I have it, it's more it's less about the Browns and more about I, I just do not like this Eagles team I think they are a bad football team good stuff eighth rank as always thanks for your time appreciate it yeah, no doubt. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports Talk, little Badger football as they prepare for Northwestern. A lot of NFL and even some gambling. We touched all the gamuts. We're going to get into the Big 12 next, Kansas City Chiefs, and a whole lot more. Blair Kirkhoff, columnist with the Kansas City Star, he joins me as we take you up until noon here on a Thursday. But before that, it's time for another $1,000 handoff here on KXNO. Just text the keyword MONEY. To 200, 200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000. That's money to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Blair Kirkhoff next. Miller and Connick continues. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. <laughs> Make sure to follow social distancing guidelines, except from us, of course. It's okay to stay away from your in-laws or ex-wife, but not us. Get up close and personal with Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and 106.3 FM. Cause.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. We continue on a Thursday, Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Get out sick, hopefully with us, if not tomorrow, early next week as we get ready for the Thanksgiving holiday a week away. A lot of college football, college basketball now less than a week away. Yeah, normally at this time, it'd already be happening here to talk Big 12 and a little Kansas City Chiefs football. He's Blair Kirkhoff, columnist with the Kansas City Star. Blair, long time no talk. How are you? I'm great, Trent. Good to catch up with you. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun going through this season, seeing the games, even with all the craziness that has happened, the cancellations, the movements, but college football as a whole. It's been a weird year. It's been odd, but the Big 12 seemingly, I think, did it the most right of anybody. They built in the schedule, these extra weeks, the bye weeks, the limited schedule, and though they haven't had to have any many cancellations compared to some of their other brethren in college football, it looks like maybe their plan was about as good as anybody coming into the year. Yeah, it, it's true. I was thinking about that earlier today that, you know, as uh, other games were getting canceled, I forgot which ones were added to the list today, but I know it's up to 15 for the weekend, which matches last week's total of games canceled and the big 12 does have one canceled this week with the uh kansas texas cancellation but 
or postponement, and they're going to try to make it up. But for the most part, you know, it, it was tough early for the Big 12, getting out of the box. You know, some of the non-conference games uh, either weren't played or had to be rescheduled or opponents were switched. Uh, they did have their issues early on. But but after once league play started up, the Big 12 seemed to do as well as anybody in college football with their with, with their conference games, at least among the Power 5 schools. I mean, you look at the... The Pac-12 scrambling around, and and Wisconsin. What's had to what, what the Badgers have gone through? Texas A&M, Florida. A lot of these schools and other conferences has, have had multiple games moved or postponed or canceled. But it, it just hasn't been the case in in the Big 12, and and uh, and and happy to see that. It's it's I'll tell you what, it's been great on Saturdays. Um, you, you know, most people can't go to games, but. I've never seen more national television exposure for the Big 12 than I have this year. I'm mean, ABC, Fox, um, you know, ESPN, games on network television more than than ever because of the availability of Big 12 Big 12 teams. You know, Blair, one thing as we sit here getting ready for the Iowa State Kansas game and seeing that the fans are going to be limited again, it'll just be friends and family that are in there and you understand it. But you've seen this happen. You saw the emergence of the Kansas State program and the fans and that buildup and and finally breaking through and getting to the first conference championship game and, and winning the conference for the first time. And Iowa State has an opportunity to do that, but you don't have that same kind of buzz. You don't have that same kind of feeling. Kansas, the Orange Bowl a few years back, going back to, what, 95, one of the last years of the Big 8 and the year that they go with just two losses throughout the season and go to the Aloha Bowl and were ranked in the top 10 that season – and to not have that same kind of buildup for Iowa State, a team that hasn't won a conference in over a hundred years, it's just tough. It's tough to know that this could feel so much different this year for Cyclone football. No, you're right. Um, it, it is. It, it is a shame in, in that regard, a, a real shame that if if it comes to pass that, that Iowa State finishes in the top two and gets to play for the Big Twelve championship. I haven't heard. I haven't heard what the restrictions are. You, you probably have a better sense of that of mm-hmm. what it would be in at uh, at AT and T Stadium for a uh, number of fans allowed in. But I was um, I was having a conversation with with uh, somebody recently saying that you know if if Iowa State was in the Big Twelve football championship game this year, um, and, and it was a normal year, uh, fans you know, no COVID, no pandemic, normal year. There would be a traffic jam on Interstate 35 <laughs> from Ames to Dallas mm-hmm. that would go right through Kansas City, and it would be an amazing sight I and mean, just a, just a caravan of fans. I, I I would think fans would go even without tickets. They'd be so excited about uh, about attending that game and being part of the festivities, the way we see it happen at the Big 12 basketball tournament over the years. So. It would be listen. It's no reason to not pull for you know for Iowa State's fans not to pull for their team to get to the Big Twelve title game, but just not to be a part of it um, as a fan has to be an excruciating experience because um, I've told many many people I, I think Iowa State fan Iowa State's fan base is the if not the best then one of the top few uh, in, in the country at least when it comes to supporting their team and loyalty to the program. It's just incredible what we see year out, year in, year, in, year out. Sports, no matter the sport, Iowa State fans are just a kind of a breed apart. What do you expect to see with Kansas State? There's been a, a lot of talk about 
you know, is this game going to be another one that's possibly canceled? They've dealt a lot with COVID uh, throughout this season. What do you expect to see from Kansas State this week? And my biggest thing is, how are they going to score? They're, they're very limited to from what we saw back in September in terms of offense against this good Iowa State defense. I'm just I wonder where the Wildcat points are going to come from. Yeah, that's it's not going to be easy for for Kansas State. They 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 gutted through a couple of games uh, once Skylar Thompson was injured, um, and and but that's that's really been it in terms of uh, having a whole lot of success with Will Howard, the, the true freshman at quarterback, um, and, and the other deuce, and and without Skylar Thompson's threat of a you know accurate passer and, and even a running threat. Which opened the, the you know everything for for the freshman running back Deuce Vaughn. Um, he's been he's been limited as well. So it's been easier to defend the Wildcats over the last month or so without Skylar Thompson. And I uh, I, I do think that the, the, the they'll have to play the type of game where they somehow uh, dominate time of possession and you know end drives by you know, end eight nine minute drives by punching in touchdowns and then. You know, tr- trying to get off the field defensively, it, it's going to be it, it's going to be a big challenge for them. And even though you know the Wildcats have had the the edge in this series, all the games have been close, especially in the last five or six years. And and even the one game in that stretch where Iowa State won two years ago in Ames, I think the Wildcats had like a a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. So Kansas State always seems to have found a way against Iowa State and. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's got to kind of be ready for that. That even if if it's a if it's within striking distance in the fourth quarter, Chris Kleiman's a heck of a coach, and they've you know this was a team that uh, you know I know Iowa State did it too, but they went but uh, K State went down and beat Oklahoma, and you know it's it's a, a very capable Kansas State team. It's a team that'll end up bowl eligible and and still got some good pieces. But I don't think there's enough here for Kansas State to to beat a good, a really good Iowa State team on Saturday. Let's jump to the other game and just two scheduled this week in the Big 12, Bedlam. What do you think we're going to see there? I tell you, almost everybody that I've heard and talked to this week love the Sooners in this spot, seeing that they've turned it around, the offense and Rattlers playing so much better, and just not a believer in this Oklahoma State team. Good defensively, not the offense that we're used to. No, exactly. Not the offense we're used to, even with um, you know, even with threats. Uh, you know, typical you know threats at wide receiver and running back for for Oklahoma State. I think it all comes down to the quarterback um, for for the for the Cowboys, and not as good as I thought he was going to be this year. And I, he just made so many mistakes. I go back to the Texas game in Stillwater, where Oklahoma State just ran up and down the field on the Longhorns, but mistake after mistake and penalty after penalty and they just couldn't seem to get out of their own way and had a chance to really kind of put a stranglehold on the on the conference race and couldn't do it and and and, um, and and so I think that's what keeps Oklahoma State from from thriving and on the other hand I just think Spencer Rattler is going to end up being you know a Heisman Trophy finalist one of these years he, I think he's that good and and, and Oklahoma is playing great right now um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve championship game you know not losing again the rest of the way and. And, um, uh, and I think it's too they're, – they're too far off the pace to think about them in the college football playoffs. But if you had to power rank the Big 12 right now, I, it'd be hard not to see Oklahoma um, in, in at least in the top three and maybe one of the top two right now. 
want to jump into a little basketball. We're talking with Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. Less than a week away, beginning of the season. Baylor with a whole lot of buzz. Kansas, of course, right there, ranked in the top 10. I really like Huggies' team at West Virginia this year. I'm a big believer in Texas Tech. Chris Beard, where my money is good as you're going to find. It looks like a very top-heavy conference this year. And you get in the next group with Texas. Is this year, Shaka finally wins a game in the NCAA tournament with the Longhorns. And now down from there, just an overview. What you anticipate we're going to see Big 12 hoops-wise? Well, you're, you're right about it being top-heavy. It is absolutely top-heavy. And, and uh, maybe it, it may be the, the, the conference, uh, the best conference in the country this year. It just... It just is. It's not a good year to be mediocre in, in the yeah. Big Twelve because it is. Um, there, there is not going to be a place uh, among the top five or six. And I would put Texas in that top five with all of their players coming back and then signing a uh, a five star point guard. Um, I, I just, I, I think that those um, the, the teams that you rattled off, and I agree with them, um, are, are just head and shoulders above the rest. And, and, and so what I think that means is I, I'm not sure where the middle is going to be or how, or how good the middle is. Usually in the Big 12, when you say top-heavy, it's two or three teams and then a nice middle of three or four. So you can count on six or seven getting into the NCAA tournament with maybe you know eight or nine in the NIT. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Um, listen, we don't know about anything. We don't know anything about this year. Just uh, how, how it's going to go, how it's going to break, how pandemic is going to affect things. But if, if we can look at the season as, as if it were a normal year, I, I think that there's yeah, I think there's five teams that will end up spending a lot of time in the polls this season with Baylor and Kansas, especially you know trading places in the top ten and um, not trading places, but spending a lot of time in the top ten mm-hmm. with West Virginia and Texas and. And, and Texas Tech um, being there as well. So where does that leave Iowa State, K-State, uh, Oklahoma State certainly knocking on the door with – how about Oklahoma State with a preseason All-America freshman in Kate Cunningham? So um, it's just uh, – it, it's going to be a fantastic year. Jared Butler and, and Macy Oteague at Baylor, um, it, it, it should be a great year for a lot of excitement for Big 12. I just hope – I just hope everybody follows protocols enough to, um, you know, to have the games and – and uh, and we're not looking at um you know we, Bill Self said it the other day you you lose one game you have a chance of losing three um with uh, you know with with COVID so um, here's hoping that everybody takes care of themselves and and uh, it's going to be different without fans absolutely different can you imagine Hilton or Allen Fieldhouse without uh, without the fans it's just um, that'll make it totally different experience for for fans uh, and for an audience. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we're going to see it. I don't want to see it and how different it's going to be. But ultimately, we get the games, and that's the, the most yeah. important part of all this. Blair, we'll let you out on this. You've been in Kansas City now for a very long time. You've covered it all. The Chiefs, what they're always so important to Kansas City and the area as a whole. But what this has been, coming off the championship, the first in 50 years, another great team, just to how different it is going from already probably the most important part of the Kansas City sports scene and, and what it is today. Yeah, well, it's um uh, it's everything. It it just is. When you have a when you have a team uh that's this good and by good that uh, they've won 17 of their last 18 games uh, stretching back to last season. That's just amazing in the NFL. When you have a team this good in the market this size, which is one of the you know five or six smallest markets in the NFL, it just dominates. 
and it, it almost overwhelms the you know the, the the fan interest here and it's um it's it's been great to see look it even in bad times um you know the chiefs had their you know had their fans and 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 put bodies in at uh, Arrowhead Stadium but um but even now that they're on top of the football world it's um it, it's something i've never seen right and nobody has seen it in in 50 years so it, it's it's quite a thing, it, it, and it's too bad that fans aren't allowed in a bigger way at Arrowhead. They they put in like fifteen thousand a game, and uh, which is about twenty percent of Arrowhead, and uh, and I don't think it'll go beyond that. It might it might even have to reduce it uh, with the numbers spiking right now, which would be a shame for the playoffs. But we we're crossing our fingers that they'll they'll even have playoffs this year. I don't know. Patrick Mahomes is such a generational type of player, and it's just. Is it fun to think that um, this is a guy that lost to Iowa State by about forty points um, in his? I think it was his final year there. So, but uh, it, it's it's unlike it really is unlike anything we've experienced in this town. Well, Blair, uh, we've been talking on the radio for a decade now. Got to finally meet you a couple of years ago at the Final Four up in Minneapolis, and now we get Indianapolis this year, so a drivable trip, and right. hopefully maybe a vaccine available. And if it's not available in April, we can do like Patino, right, and just do the May Madness. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, I, listen, I, I do think the NCAA is keeping all of its options open yeah. for, for the tournament, and I, I do like the idea of trying to, of putting it all in one place indianapolis they've got enough buildings there to, to let it happen and and uh but if they have to move it they they, they move it that was rick patino's suggestion right yeah. that, uh, let's let's just not even start the season until january and, and play the play the tournament in may i don't know if that would help but uh uh but uh listen i'm, I'm willing to try anything to get in college basketball season right there with you blair as always so good catching up with you appreciate your time Sure, Trent. Take care. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star, KC.com. You can find all the work of Blair and everybody there. Big 12 fans, Chief fans, Royals, they got it all covered for you at the Kansas City Star. And a big thank you to Blair for joining us. Come back, put a cap on things. Already gave you my NFL pick, and it's at two and a half at DraftKings right now. I love the Seahawks tonight. I like laying those two and a half with them against the Cardinals. We'll get into that. I also got a little thought on some college action tonight. Coming your way next as we put a cap on things. Miller and Connick continues. 1460 KXNO at 106.3 FM and go to Facebook right now. Going to take my shot, try to win a little something for our contestant today in our big contest that's coming up on Facebook Live. Back with more here in a moment. The Sports Fanatics drive you home every day. Weekdays at 4 on 1460 AM at 106.3 FM. This is Kaya. Get hope. Hopelawfirm.com. Welcome back. Final segment here on a Thursday. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Glad to have you aboard with us today. A lot of fun guests lined up. John Bonacamp always loved talking Hawkeyes and college football with him. Lee Sterling in the first hour again. Coming off that 4-0 week last week, he's got a great deal going on. You can check out the podcast of that one already up at KXNO.com. And this hour, Frank Schwab and Blair Kirkhoff. You can go back and find all of those interviews as we dive deep into the upcoming week of football, college basketball a week away. It is a good, good time. Hey, what local story had my notes didn't get to today? How about the Des Moines Buccaneers getting a new arena? It'll be at Merle Hay Mall is where it's going to be as after the Derek show. Of course, uh, knocked 
the roof and, and so much destruction that happened during that to the roofing system. They're going to start the season at Wells Fargo, but then going to be building a new arena inside the old Yonkers space at Merle Hay Mall. Pretty cool there, still within the city limits of Urbandale. So good to see, and uh, good to see that they are going to have a home, and uh, hopefully everything goes good. Saw some of the artist renderings. Looks really cool, and... Love the Buccaneers. Love that organization and hope uh, they can get back on their feet as everybody can as we deal with this. Mentioned earlier, love the Seahawks tonight. Two and a half right now at DraftKings. Lay those. And also tonight, we do have a little bit of college football. I'll tell you, got to lean. Tulane. Getting the six and a half at Tulsa. Tulsa came roaring back, ranked for the first time this season. Had the comeback win against SMU. Short week. Something's off about this one. Grab the six and a half in the green wave. A couple of picks for you here tonight. That'll do it for the program today. We got Murph and Andy coming your way at 2 o'clock. 4 o'clock with the Fanatics in the morning rush tomorrow morning at 6. Have a good one, everybody. We're Miller and Condon. Hi, I'm Emory Songer. And I'm Heather Burnside. Iowa State hosts Kansas State, and we'll break down all the action on Jethro's Barbecue Cyclone Sound Off. This Saturday after 9 p.m. on 106.3 FM and 1460 AM KXNO.